Welcome to Old Fashioned Finance, the podcast that mixes cocktails and high finance. I'm your host, Jason Demland, and I am joined as always and in the future by my good friend and fellow money muddler, Caleb Frankert. Jason, can a podcast about finance be entertaining? Not without alcohol. Well, all right, let's mix it up. Hey, man. Caleb, there are a few things in life that are just the greatest things in life. Think of when your children were born. Yeah. Smelling their heads. Yeah, that's that's weird, but yes. Yeah, well, it's not weird. If, if parents out there know what I mean. Yeah. Smelling a newborn baby's head. There's an Everybody Loves Raymond episode where really? the grandpa, um, Frank, is smelling the baby's heads <laughs> and he goes, I'm sucking in the fountain of youth. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, I think that's up there in euphoric experiences. Um, there are other things. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Easy. <laughs> we haven't had that much to drink yet. My point is, I think I have had one of these Everest moments today. Yeah. Yeah. I am eager to share with our listeners. Episode 37 is a milestone. This is episode 37? We've yeah. We've 37 episodes? In a row? <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah this, this is a milestone it's euphoric it, it is um we're having a mountaintop experience because today we are drinking a unicorn of bourbon it really is uh there's a it's not really a unicorn because a unicorn has one horn i guess this oh. has a lot of them more antlers uh we're drinking stag jr today Six. yeah that's a 12 pointer this I is believe. yeah that's a good size buck uh yeah Stag Jr. is, if any of you are bourbon hunters uh, or bourbon enthusiasts, you know what we're talking about. Um, I don't know, Jason, at least uh, of this bourbon hunting season, I think that this is the one that everybody's looking for. It seems like it for this fall right Mm now. Mm -hmm. And you know, everyone, this is Old Fashioned Finance, the the podcast about mixing cocktails and high finance. Today's cocktail is going to be Stag Jr. You don't want to mix this. I believe that uh, that would be maybe the unforgivable, unpardonable sin. Look, we've said in the past, um, mixing good spirits um, makes better cocktails. Absolutely, it does. Not allowed here. I don't think you should do it to this. (laughs) Not allowed. I mean, the old-fashioned that you could make with Stag Jr. is probably delectable but i'm sure it is but it, you know what those bitters better be amazing there, there they better is, be the best sugar ever i haven't had i can't compare sugars with yeah, each other and bitters with each other but i've had many bourbons mm-hmm. uh, this is the best i've ever had and you know what jason it's by a lot yeah, it's not close. We've heard from other b- bourbon aficionados that this is up there with with several other high-tier bourbons. Mm-hmm. It is in a league of its own. Stag Jr. comes out in different batches. Twice um, a year. Twice a year. Actually, let's go right into it. We're talking about the drink. Let's mix it up. All right. I've got my glass. I've got my bottle. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to pour into my bottle. We're Cuts. drinking from yeah 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 I might drink it out of the bottle. <laughs> we're uh, we're uh, swishing it around, swirling it in our Glencairn glasses, yeah, which is the Glen way that Karen. bourbon snobs do. Yeah yeah we've got we've upgraded recently, and now we drink out of Glencairns, which are like tulip shaped glasses. Yep. Everyone, what we're doing is we're looking at the legs. Yeah, we're swirling it. It's coating that glass real well. 
How does it drip down the sides? Slowly. Like, it, like syrup. Does it stick to the sides? And yes, it does. This is an oily uh, bourbon. We've learned from Fred Minnick that mm-hmm. uh, you can tell a lot about the distillery yeah. from how it clings to the sides of the glass. And, and he wears an ascot, so <laughs> I has, believe him. What's his podcast? Bourbon Pursuit? Bourbon Pursuit is, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and you know what? That's okay. So... If if you catch stag euphoria like we have, uh, you might want to listen to that podcast. They talk about what's going on in this week in bourbon hunting, uh, all the new releases, all the allocated stuff that's hard to get. Um, yeah, and he's just he's a uh, what is he whiskey advocate, right? I think was maybe maybe he used to work at whiskey. He's advocate. written I don't for know. lots of places, I think, and he's got he, YouTube. He judges videos. bourbons though in competitions. Yes, um, yes, he's a judge. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, we watched a short video about how to taste bourbon from him at one of our recent bourbon clubs. Uh-huh. And, uh, Which has been a blast, by the way. If you're listening and maybe yeah. you haven't seen the invite on our Facebook or whatever, um, bourbon club. Um, December, 16th December 16th of December. Uh, <laughs> 5.30 to 7-ish. Yeah. Uh, come on out. If uh, you, at Blue if Jay Financial Group here in Defiance. Um it was a we we had our second bourbon club meeting, mm-hmm. um, and it was a really really good time. We had a lot of people out here uh, trying a lot of different stuff. Um, I can't promise that this would be a, a um, on the menu though. Uh, <laughs> I like to sh- you know I like to share bourbon with friends. Um, this is really special. You know what? We had some of this a couple hours ago just to yes. just to taste a little bit of it, um, mm-hmm. and we haven't sipped on it since we went on on air (laughs) let's do that right now okay my goodness that is so good i mean we're gonna have to edit uh (laughs) some of the tasting out because neither of us wanted to speak yeah when when they edited out um there were like 10 seconds there where nobody said anything um it's still finishing by the way this is so stag jr is um a buffalo trace brand yes um george stag was uh one of the pioneers of of bourbon, uh, going way way back. Um, so anyway, uh, Buffalo Trace in states like Ohio, these liquor contro- uh, controlled states, um, are allocated. They're hard to find. There's not mm-hmm. as much. You can't just walk into the liquor store and grab a bottle of Buffalo Trace. Now you and I were in Fort Wayne, Indiana yesterday, and there were probably twenty bottles of Buffalo Trace on the shelf. Yeah. Right. Um. It's a very popular bourbon. It's not always on the shelf, but you can find it there. Here in Ohio, you pretty much got to know where it's it's uh, arriving before it's arriving uh, to get a bottle. And Stag Jr., I totally lucked into this one. <laughs> I was, was at the right place at the right time. The truck had come in, and I walked in maybe 30 seconds after it hit the shelf. That's all it lasted. Um, but this is, and I have not had, by the way, I've not had Pappy. I, I haven't had the Holy Grail of bourbon, so I can't say that it's better. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, other Jason, who's not here with us today, uh, he tried some of this, and he's had Old Rip Van Winkle, which was not a cheap pour, by the way. Mm-hmm. And he said this one, hands down, was better than Old Rip Van Winkle. Uh, so this is competing with the Van Winkles, uh, we'll say, at least in Jason's book. I don't know. I haven't had it. But this is a barrel proof, right? Mm-hmm. So what that means is it comes straight out of the barrel. They don't proof it down by adding water like they do with most of them. So this one comes in at uh, 64.35%. Um, you would expect this to be pretty hot, right? Yeah. Um, there's definitely heat there. 
but it's such a smooth. It's like a brown sugar syrup that yeah. just coats your mouth and like a little bit of dark chocolate at the back. It's it, it really what it's doing is you have different areas on your tongue where the taste buds taste different things. It is activating my entire tongue and my cheeks and my jaw. Like the flavor sensation, it almost feels like a wave going over my my tongue. I didn't it's know that so bourbon good. could taste like this. For so for the people that have had like Pappy Van Winkle twenty three, yeah, uh, we've heard like William Larue Weller, the other like really highly highly touted bourbons. If this is what they taste like, I get it. Mm-hmm. I'm I want to taste those. Uh, I know I um, uh, what was his name the. The restaurant guy that made Pappy super famous, Anthony, uh, Bourdain. Anthony Bourdain. When Anthony mm-hmm. Bourdain had Pappy twenty three in one of his shows, and he said, mm, "This is bourbon." I'm imagining it was similar to this. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's better. If it's Jason, better than this, we've had a lot of bourbon. Um, this immediately first sip, there was no question in my mind. This is the best bourbon I've ever had by a lot. Here's the deal. Um, in in a controlled state like ohio the nice thing is that you don't have to try to find a bottle online for 500 dollars that may or may not be a fake yeah um you you get it for msrp i guess Uh, it was 46 dollars, which is not cheap by any means but what you're getting here folks if you see this on the shelf i might even say it's okay to break the budget and buy a bottle Uh, it's that good. It's really, really excellent. Um, and after we tried this, we thought, you know what? We're not doing a cocktail for this episode. Stag needs its its own episode. So <laughs> you, yeah. excellent stuff. I, I feel like drinking this bourbon, now I know what it's like to be rich. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a good analogy. You know, uh, these bourbons and trying to find rare bourbons, mm-hmm. you can kind of get caught up in is it Absolutely. good or is it just hard to find and now the crowd's going after it? Yep. Um, I wanted to not like this because I know it's hard to find and that I probably won't be able to get another bottle of it. Yeah. But dang. it's It lives up to the hype. Yeah. Uh, it it makes me now, bummed about other bourbons. Yeah. It, so they come <laughs> out with a new batch every six months and every batch is different. So yes. this, just to clarify, this is batch 17. Mm-hmm. This is actually the last of the Stag Junior because the next batch will be 18. It will not be junior anymore. It will just be stag. <laughs> uh, so that's interesting. Uh, and I actually toyed around with the idea of not opening this because it's the last of the stag junior. Boy, am I glad we opened this. I, I am very glad you opened it. And I'm glad you're my friend because <laughs> I'm getting some. And it's amazing. It's ah. fantastic. Um, yeah, that's that's there might this episode may be full of more pauses than most as we're uh, <laughs> sipping on this as we go. So excellent stuff. If you're a bourbon guy or gal, um, you know, maybe it's been long overdue that we do an episode dedicated to a bourbon. We've done some small batch, yeah. small business, small batch episodes, and those are fun uh, where we just talk about a small batch. But uh, this one's in a league of its own. Fantastic. If, if you find this, get it. It's so good. Do whatever yeah, is yeah. necessary but, well, to secure a bottle. From a financial perspective, Caleb, if somebody sees a bottle for Break the budget. I don't bucks, care. You, you can buy it. You, you can, can sell the bottle <laughs> instantaneously afterwards for 10 times what you paid for well, it. Let's probably. put it this way. Because it's hard to find and it's only 40-some dollars a bottle, I would say I'd be okay. I would tell you as your financial advisor, it's okay to break the budget on this one because, A, it's not that big of, of a sin. <laughs> it's only 40-some dollars. 
We'll make it up somewhere else. Do yourself a favor and secure a bottle of this if you can find it. Jason, I feel like anything that we pull out of one of these liquor stores standing in line or finding on allocation day, it's just going to disappoint going forward unless it's Stag Jr. Yeah. Uh, Maybe unless it's one of those other highly, highly touted bourbons. But man, it's real good. It's so good, everyone. <laughs> so good. And this this has warmed us up real well, Caleb. Uh-huh. Uh, to talk about today's finance topic, it is not a small business, small batch episode. Today, we're talking about cognitive biases. Mm. You know, cognitive it's, biases. It's an interesting transition there because we're talking about the bourbon pursuit, right? Yes. Where... You have you don't know if you actually like the bourbon or you just like the hunt, yep. or if you think the bourbon is great, or if you are influenced about it being great because other people say it's great. That's a great analogy. Um, yeah, the the herd mentality is a big one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'd be real easy to buy into the hype. I think you and I have both probably fallen victim to this. Oh, where, for sure. Oh, everybody says this is the one that you got to get, and you get it, and you go, I don't know, I don't know about this, but everybody else says it's great, so there must must be something wrong with my taste buds, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah, like, and you kind of. Well, maybe I, I don't want to blow it here because it's going to be one of these biases, right? But uh, you kind of fool yourself into thinking, well, the crowd can't be wrong. I must be wrong. So even though I don't like it, I like it. You're sure. You know what? I think we can probably let's go through these. Let's do it. Cognitive yeah. biases, because I think we're going to be able to attach each of these to bourbon. I think so. <laughs> what an episode we put together. I know we're geniuses. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Maybe we're just really happy right now. <laughs> I am euphoric with this stag junior. Um, Caleb, lead the way. The first cognitive bias I want to talk about. Uh, cognitive bias, y'all, is just fancy psychology babble for uh, your brain doing the wrong thing without you thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it you have an internal leaning because of probably some irrational reason, right? Usually, yeah. Well, you know, when we talk that about... could be rational, though, too. When we talk about finance, we talk about economics. Usually mm-hmm. it's built on Adam Smith's rational actor. Yeah. Like we're going to act in our own best interest all of the time. Wealth of the nations. Way to drop yeah. that one. Oh, boom. But sometimes... <laughs> We don't act rationally, and Uh there's a whole field of study about this. Behavioral economics, behavioral finance has really taken off over the last 10 or 15 years, Um, and there's been lots of research in this field, and it really applies to us and what we do every day, dealing with people's finances and trying to give them advice. Some of these cognitive biases we have to help people overcome. Right, And, and when we're talking about money, I think a lot of times we have a tendency to be even more irrational and emotional because... Of what's tied to yeah. that money, right? Like, I know what I had to do to get this. I worked really hard to get this. Um, you think about someone who's at a job that they don't like, and any amount of, of money that they've accumulated, they really, there's definitely emotional attachment. They don't want to lose that because they toiled away at a job they hated, mm-hmm. right? Um, we tend to get really emotional about money, and the problem is emotional decisions are usually um, the ones you got to watch out for in finance. Yeah. So. Yes, behavioral finance. This is big. Um, I'm glad we got to kind of crack into this one a little bit um, mm-hmm. because we've, we've really been wondering, how. okay, so how do we get into behavioral finance? This is a good one, and it's really kind of why we have jobs, I think. Oh, big time. Absolutely. If everyone was totally rational, uh, we wouldn't need to be hired. Right. But that's what we help for. It's a lot like ha- hiring a, a dietitian or a, a strength coach or that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so let's dive in. We're just going to be scratching the surface. We're yep. going to we're going to kind of go through uh, five really common ones, and we'll just kind of touch on them a little. And our whole point here is to get you to be a little bit aware 
of what these biases might be and really analyze your own thinking about things and really be honest with yourself. Caleb, the first cognitive bias I want to talk about is loss aversion. Mm -hmm. And this is basically, it's not, it's not that it's irrational that people want to avoid losses. We all do Mm -hmm. that. That's healthy and good. It probably goes back. It's coded into our DNA so we don't die. It's a survival instinct. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. um, That that's rational. Loss aversion. We're talking about this is about the, the priority we place on avoiding loss over mm-hmm. getting rewards or gains. Yeah. Um, and I know you've heard, and we probably referenced it on this show before, that the aver- there's been studies that we feel loss twice as much as we feel a gain of the same amount. You know what? Case in point, we had, um, we had someone show up today at the office to finish up some work. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, they're, they're also clients. And I heard, because today was kind of a rough day in the market, by the mm-hmm. way, right? And uh, I heard no less than three times, wow, today's a bad day. This really hurts. What's going on, you know? And <laughs> you kind of want to be like, hey, uh, so you're down 2% today. What about the 20% that you're up on the year? Didn't hear about that, right? Yeah, right. That 2% it hurts. is leaving much more of a, an emotional impact on that person. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so- and I'm not picking on him, by the way. That, but I'm, I'm just, that's an example, right? Yeah. We, we remember the losses more, the losses hurt more than the gains uh, feel good, Feel good, I guess. Yeah, and, and that causes us to do irrational things yep. um, because we're, we're much more likely to make a big change if uh-huh. there's been a loss than we are if there's been a big gain. You're not likely to go more conservative right. a- and lock in gains after a 10% increase in your portfolio or a $1,000 gain. Right. But if you lose $1,000 you're a lot more likely to lock that in because mm-hmm. you don't want to get hurt anymore. Yeah. And I think people even know, well, I know I'm not going to make anything, but at least I won't lose anything. Mm-hmm. At least I won't lose anything. I don't want to feel any more pain. Yeah. I'm not ready to get hurt again. I don't want to get back out there on the dating. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily, we didn't have to deal with that a whole heck of a lot. That's true. I didn't date a lot, so <laughs> I didn't get hurt Yeah, a lot because either. of loss aversion, I think, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Perfect example, yeah. So, all right, all right. So, you said we're gonna tie all these to bourbon. So, how would we tie this one to bourbon? Hmm. Do you have a good idea? I don't know about this one. Loss I don't know aversion, about loss maybe. aversion. This might be the only one that doesn't really tie in. I, I'm not like I'm not not buying bourbon because I'm afraid it'll taste bad. No. Uh, maybe I'm not buying a hundred dollar bottle because I there. don't think it's gonna be worth that, it. That's there's how you tie it in, right? I am not very. Uh, apt to go out and buy a $150 bottle of something that I've never tried before, right? Because what if I don't like it? Or what if I like it just as much as I like that $30 bottle, right? Yeah. Then the buyer's remorse sets in. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. You, and I I mean, I I like that $130 better than right. I, you know, but there's also a chance that it could be the most amazing thing I've ever tried. Mm-hmm. But I'm more apt to hang on to my hundred and some dollars, hundred thirty dollars, whatever it was we just said, and not experience how great it could be because I'm afraid that I might be disappointed. Yeah. There, that's how we tie it. All in. right, that's good. I mean, that might have been a little stretch. I think we'll do better on Kentucky the Kentucky Owl. Okay, I see it on the shelf at liquor stores for hundred and twenty-five dollars. I'm not gonna buy it because I don't know. It's I feel like it's sitting on the shelf. So how good could it be? Yeah. I can get it, so why should I buy yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> if I don't like it five times as much as the $25 bottle of Buffalo Trace, then I'm going to be disappointed, right? So I'm just not even going to try it. <laughs> but it also could be by far my favorite bourbon of all time. I'll never know. No, you won't. <laughs> Caleb, okay. 
I want to go on to the next Let's cognitive bias then. Number two. This is the endowment effect. And let me just break this down for you because there's a very famous University of Innsbruck study. I think it's a German. Uh, uh, where? Okay. I think it's in that Germany. Right. Innsbruck. The universe. No, I can't. Mm. In one experiment, students were <laughs> given either a chocolate bar or a coffee mug. That's a beautiful language. Uh, yes. So in, in this experiment, students in the school were given either a chocolate bar or a coffee mug at the beginning of their class. At the end of the class, the students were then given the chance to trade their chocolate bar for the coffee mug or vice versa, okay. whichever they want. In wh- whatever they had, the students were almost all across the board unwilling to trade whatever they had been giving for uh-huh. the other thing. This is the endowment effect. Once you have something, the, you start to value it much, much more. Because, because you have it. It's yours. Yeah. It's your precious. Is it? <laughs> oh, precious. Yes. It's mine. <laughs> my own. My precious. Caleb is clutching the bottle of Stag Jr. now. Precious. <laughs> Uh, do you think? Do you think it has more to do with it being yours, and that's why I like it because it's mine? Or is it? Well, this is a known commodity. It's really and again. We're kind of playing off of what we talked about with the absolutely. last one. What if I trade it and I don't like what I traded for it as it's much a, as I like this? It's because of our fear of loss. It's that same loss aversion that we are not trading it. Mm-hmm. I know that I like this amount, but what if I don't like the other thing? You know where I hear this one all the time. The markets have done well for the last few years, mm-hmm. like really well for the last three. Yeah, absolutely. And we talk to clients and they want our advice, or I, I say prospects, right? Mm-hmm. They want our advice and they go, okay, but should I move this? Because it's been doing really good. Yeah. It's that I- idea of, I, I don't know, is it that these investments are so great? No. If you haven't done well over the last three years, uh-oh, right? <laughs> if right. you haven't done well in the markets over the last three years, something's really broken. Yeah. Um, but there's this idea of, well, I don't want to change this though. Yeah. Because I'm attached to that. I know it. As long as I can remember, it's always performed well. As soon as I move it to something, what if we don't do as well? You know what? That's really likely actually that we won't do as well next year as we did this year for sure, or the year before or the year before, because o- otherwise the markets would average 30% a year and not eight. And guess what? Everybody would be all in all the time if that were the case, right? Yeah. 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 I think you get some more practical application in in things like when you have brand loyalty to something over something else. I know a lot of people just buy Sony electronics all the time because that's what they have. Or in in video games, it's the console wars. Yeah. There's Xbox fans versus PlayStation fans. And like really, guys, they're pretty much the same. Uh, um, (laughs) We talk about pipe pipes you could mm-hmm. be a dunhill guy or a savinelli guy or a peterson guy or you could be a guy that likes pipes and they're all good for i different own things. dunhill peterson and savinelli <laughs> i like them all but you know you've you've been like you've gotten into a camp because maybe you had to make a financial decision and it was hard uh-huh. and then you finally picked something and it paid off yeah and you're like this is better yeah and it has to be better uh-huh. because i have it yes and if it's not better then i'm dumb yeah and i won't admit that and I won't change. Um, and you could you can make some errors from that. It, it causes you know it could cause some poor decision making if you are allowing that bias to affect you. The brand loyalty is a a great illustration of this. We said we're going to tie it back to bourbon. Yeah. Uh, you know what? The Buffalo Trace lineup has yeah. not disappointed. <laughs> Buffalo Trace, Eagle Rare, Elmer Teeley, E. H. Taylor, now Stag. Um, there's more in there. Weller, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Um, 
so I'm more apt to buy into the hype because they've never let me down. It'd be more like you have a Stag Junior now. Uh huh. Will you trade it for a Pappy 15? Here's the deal. That's a great question because this you has know knocked you like my this. socks off. You know you love it. There is a chance that I wouldn't like the Pappy 15. And then I wouldn't have this. And how do I replace this? I think most bourbon people out there would be like, that's ridiculous. Trade yeah. it for the Pappy 15. I know. I know. But you are now endowed with Stag Jr. <laughs> okay. No, but that's a good point. That's the endowment. I, I know effect. so far, this is, in my opinion, the best bourbon I've ever tasted. Therefore, it's the best bourbon out there in existence. Because right? <laughs> it's, it's mine. mine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm glad that we tied that to bourbon again, <laughs> too. What about the third one, Jason? The third one I want to talk about is the sunk cost fallacy. This is more common. Oh, Lots of people have heard of this. Yeah. Um, it's mostly boiled down to throwing good money after bad, Caleb. Yep. Uh, we see that. <laughs> absolutely. Once you have committed to something, whether or not it was a good idea, you feel like you have to continue it because mm-hmm. you've already invested some time or some money into this thing. And um, there's a reason you bought into that in the first place, right? You yeah. couldn't be wrong. Yeah. Maybe it's one of the other uh, things that we talked about. That's the reason for buying. It's ours. It was my idea. I did the research. I, you know. Mm-hmm. When we have our due diligence days and we uh, yeah. research a funder and ETF that we really like, I'm, you know, we might be more apt to be like, no, so what? They had a bad quarter. I'm riding with it. There's yeah. a reason I picked it. It was my idea. These are mine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, that happens all the time. Whenever we've invested more time or more money into something, it's harder to give it up mm-hmm. because we're committed. Yeah. And we feel like, well, if we've already thrown this much money at it this is how much we are ahead but that's a total fallacy and cashing out also means admitting that you might have been wrong yeah now it's really hard behaviorally to do that we none of us we don't like loss so if we can pretend like we don't have one right you are (laughs) not only are you locking in a loss and saying it's enough of this it's time to move on not so not only are we locking in that loss but we are admitting that we were wrong and we were okay with just you know I'm good getting out, losing money. Nobody wants to do that. Yeah, and this is obviously uh, easy to relate to investing, where well, this- we have a bad investment that we keep getting and keep going into. If I liked it at $20, I like it even more at 15 Yeah. If I liked it at 15 I like it even more at 10 Although... And then hang on, <laughs> I think it might go to zero. Although, we've seen this with Bitcoin. Oh, yeah. When Bitcoin hit $10,000 and everybody had to have it, and then it crashed to 3500 and all of a sudden nobody wanted it. Do you notice that? But then when it went to 20, everybody wanted it again. (laughs) So, okay, there's an instance where maybe it didn't, didn't work out that way. I, from a financial standpoint, this is why casinos exist. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. Well, if I keep doubling down eventually, eventually I'm going to hit it big and I've only got to hit it big once to make it up until you have zero. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's the problem, right? You can't double. You can go to zero. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, okay. So with the Bitcoin analogy, that can be a little casino-ish too. <laughs> yeah. Episode yeah. ten. We've talked. Yeah, we've talked. <laughs> we about have that opinions. One. Uh, how do we tie that to bourbon, Caleb? The, um, the sunk cost fallacy. Boy, I don't think you can throw good money after bad in bourbon, unless you just keep buying bad bourbon. But why would you do why that? Why would you do that? There's so many good ones out there. Yeah. I don't know. That's Again, I'm going to stick with go with what you like. I mean, I picked up a bottle of $14 bourbon last night because I've always wanted to try it. And uh, it didn't knock my socks off. This did, right? <laughs> but it, it definitely was punching above its weight class. Yeah. Like, it, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. 
Not sure where I was going with that, quite honestly. Yeah, we can't relate it. Enjoy, okay. Do what you enjoy. Yeah, and you know, if you don't like it... <laughs> From a bourbon standpoint. If you don't like that bourbon and you bought it, oh, here it is. You buy a horrible bottle of bourbon. Uh-huh. You don't have to finish it, man. Oh, yeah. You don't have there to drink go. that. There you go. There's That's the analogy. It. Cleveland, we're looking at you. <laughs> yeah, Cleveland bourbon. I'll just mix it. Oh my gosh! It yep. just made the, it just, just made my cocktail horrible. Just mix mix a good bourbon. You don't have to drink it just because <laughs> yeah. you bought it. Yeah, perfect. What's funny about that is I'm thinking about and every time I've done I it. talk to you, you're like, "Well, I gotta finish it. It cost me this much." And I'm like, "Does that number is that number going up?" Yes, it was. <laughs> and then then come to find out, it's like, "Hey, man, that was only twenty some bucks. It's dump it." <laughs> Use it to clean stuff. I don't care. <laughs> Perfect. Good analogy. Good. Oh, man, we are yeah. we are on today. We're on fire. <laughs> All right. Bias number four is the familiarity bias. Caleb, uh-huh. we've got experience with this. We do. We live in a uh, small town. Yeah. Um, it's lovely. And it is. It's a great place to live. And we live in the Midwest, so there are a lot of banks. <laughs> Indeed. Um, and a lot of... Uh, we have... I don't know. We can look out our office window and see three hometown banks, mm-hmm. right? Um, started here in Defiance, Ohio. Yeah. Right? Or nearby. Um, or, or yeah, nearby or ones. 20 miles down the road, whatever. Yeah. Um, there's some brand loyalty there because of that. Yeah. We also see that impacting some people's financial decisions, investment decisions. Or, or another, well, heck, I... I <laughs> I had a meeting with, uh, unfortunately, a, a client of my, um, a client of mine passed away, and met with his wife, and um, they had both retired from the same company. Okay. And they had their pension there. They were able to retire earlier than most because it was a great job, great benefits, good pension, pretty good company overall. My diagnosis was. You have everything basically in one company, and we can't do this. Like your, their investments were in their that company. investments too. were in the company. Their pension was riding on that company. Everything, but there's the familiarity bias. Yeah, they, they knew, knew that it. Company. That company took care of their family all yeah. those years. It allowed them to retire early. It gave them a good pension. It gave them the freedom that they wanted in retirement. Guess what? I put on my glasses, uh, my unbiased glasses, and say, "This is a bad investment move. Yeah. I can't let you do this from a risk management standpoint." Yeah, but th- that familiarity bias is strong. It's yeah. really strong. Yeah, we see people heavily concentrated with their investable assets in yep. companies that they think are safe just because they know them. Yep. And we had this happen. We're a General Motors town, or used to be, yeah. and uh, lots of folks through the financial crisis were working at General Motors. Mm-hmm. Their pension was from General Motors. Their investments were in General Motors stock. Yeah. That stock went to zero, and they may have been laid off. And their bonds and yeah, and the bonds as we're well. Uh, and but they were familiar with it. They General Motors. They know it. They work there. They know the people. Yep. It, they felt more confident because they knew of it. The same with these local banks. They invested because I bank there. I know that bank. Yep. Um. It's the same with any company that you kind of know. Uh. It. it and that really filters through the other biases too. Really. Yeah. Other reasons that you're comfortable with something. Um. It's yours. You feel like a part of it, right? Mm-hmm. That kind of the endowment effect there. Yeah. The loss aversion also. It's been stable it's provided you know that the idea of 
leaving that uh, quote unquote um, reliability behind for something else. You yeah. know, um, it, it kind of filters through all of these. Um, that's a big one, though. The familiarity biases. Yeah. We all do this. Um, I think that it's really easy to come to bring into bourbon as well. Yes. Because you get a distillery that you like, like maybe the Buffalo Trace line, Caleb, <laughs> yeah. and you're not going to go over to the Russell stuff. You're not going to try wild turkey. And there are some great ones We just ones over bought there. a bottle of Maker's Mark for the office. Yes. The first office bottle of any Maker's Mark product. I haven't had any Maker's Mark in probably four or five years. Not on purpose. We just got stuck on the Buffalo Trace train for a really long time, Caleb. You know what, though? That bottle that you bought was one of my favorite bottles this year. It's Fantastic. been heavily overshadowed. That was last week, and this uh-huh. week there's a Stag <laughs> Junior here. <laughs> yeah. so New favorite. <laughs> but that was definitely one of my favorite bottles of the year. Yeah. And you get stuck with just what you know and what you're comfortable with. And sometimes you don't branch out and you could be really missing out. Really? Absolutely. And that familiarity could be misleading. Yeah. Yeah. That's why blind tests are fun, right? Blind taste tests. That's that's really, uh, you know, in the bourbon culture is a lot of fun. Speaking of blind testing, right? I, I know I've probably said this on the podcast before, but I had a client who wanted something very familiar because it was safe to her. And I showed her what I thought she needed to do versus what she wanted to do. Oh, like like uh, put and two when I put the performance chart. Yeah, and I said which one is yours and which one is the one I'm proposing. And she goes, "This one is familiar. I know it. I've seen the performance. This is it." And I'm like, "Nope, it's not wrong. Actually, yours is way riskier. Like yeah. she wanted safe, right? Mm-hmm. She wanted something that she knew. Um, that idea there. Yeah, um, I've done the same thing with somebody that was very invested in a local bank stock, publicly traded. Yep. Loved the dividend. They're like, "This is actually stable. I get the dividend. It's mm-hmm. awesome." I just put up a chart, blind, blind testing yes. it. I was like, "Here's a well diversified uh, portfolio that produces some income versus yours." Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to tell you is which yours? is which. Which would you rather own? Yeah, tell me which one. And you they're want. like this one, and I'm like, "That's not the one you own." Yep. Um. Yeah, you can really, uh, really mess up. Just because you're familiar with something, it doesn't actually mean it's better, Caleb. Yeah. Familiarity awesome. bias. Cool. Let's go on to the next one. Anchoring. Anchoring. This one is really interesting, and we see it. In fact, the, I mean, the conversation we had earlier with someone in the office mm-hmm. was a product of anchoring. Mm-hmm. Explain a little bit what anchoring means. Anchoring is really fixing your expectations on some random point that makes no sense. Um, and what we see happen a lot of times and what happened in the office with the person that's like, this is going all over the place. I'm down 2% yeah. today. Uh, let's say that you invest $10,000 into the stock market mm-hmm. and it goes up to $20,000 over a year. That's pretty good. <laughs> that's- and next year you lose 10%. Yeah. Oh no! Now you've now you have eighteen. I only have eighteen. I had twenty. I lost two thousand yeah. dollars. Is what that person is going to say? Yeah. Because they anchored at twenty thousand dollars. Exactly. And now we, as the financial advisors, are like, no, we anchored at ten thousand dollars. <laughs> that's not fair. We're up eighty percent here. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. But that's what happens with anchoring. You do that to a lot of different stuff. And and actually, we had a bonus one that I'm going to tie into this. Okay. Called the bandwagon effect, which is really just an outflowing of anchoring uh-huh. because you're anchoring to maybe what somebody else did. So let's say you're in a sure. you're in a conservative portfolio because you are taking income or you can't take very much risk because mm-hmm. um, you're not going to make any more money and your buddy over there is in a super aggressive portfolio yep. and the market as a whole, let's say the S&P 500 goes up 20% in one year, you only go up 10%, they went up 20. You've anchored to their yeah. benchmark now and you're like, hey, I missed out on 10%. 
that I should have gotten. Yep. Well, no, because <laughs> you weren't anchored to you're, that. You're drawing income. Yeah. And uh, when it goes the other way around, by the way, you're not anchoring when it goes the other way. No, right? we don't usually do that. Our right. minds don't anchor backwards. Also <laughs> with the bandwagon effect. I love this, right? Because people talk about, oh, my guy got me this. My guy got me that. Yeah. Let's be honest. People that are talking to each other about that tend to exaggerate. They I'm up like 15%. You're up 11. Yeah. So does that round to 15? I don't know. Uh, you know, some for some people that rounds to 20, right? We're going yeah. for the next 10. It's there, it's not productive for one thing. Right. We just set random anchoring right. points at different places. And and then how that goes with the bandwagon effect is we don't want to be wrong by ourselves. Yeah. We'd rather be wrong with a bunch of other people. So at I'm least gonna anchor, we're all in it together. Yeah, I'm going to anchor to what the whole crowd is doing and you yeah. see this with stock market bubbles uh-huh. um that that euphoric investing stuff that happens you see with the the rush into meme stocks yeah <laughs> that sort of thing and it's really it's not based on anything rational that's kind of the fear of missing out yeah uh, it, it really is yeah um and that's that's a form of anchoring you're anchoring <laughs> to whatever the crowd is doing whatever is happening at the time and you're not making a decision based on data i want to see how you connect this to bourbon i'm anchoring to stag right now <laughs> Every uh, <laughs> bourbon you used to like lots yeah. of bourbons, and now the the bar is set at Stag Junior. Well, you know me when it comes to a lot of my hobbies. Uh, I'm a I am a sampler, so I like to try different things all the time. It's been the same with pipe tobacco. It's been the same thing with uh, guitars and things like mm-hmm. that. You know, you're always sampling and trying for a different sound. And I really like this, but uh, I kind of want to see what this is like too. Yeah. And eventually, I'll get to that perfect one, and and that'll that'll be mine, mm-hmm. and I'll settle with that. No. Some personalities like mine, we like to sample. I'll never find the perfect guitar tone. Yeah. I'll never find that perfect pipe tobacco. Right now, today, another bias would be recency bias. (laughs) I feel like (laughs) I'll never find a better bourbon than this. But let's be honest. I'll be sampling new bourbons. You're never going to stop. But right now I am anchoring. This is kind of a benchmark for me here. <laughs> That's how I'm tying it back like to when you t- when, Well, because when you taste other bourbons, you're not going to measure them against Buffalo Trace, Trace which is regular, steady, mm-hmm. good, mm-hmm. not amazing, not bad. You're not going to taste another bourbon and compare it to Buffalo Trace. You're going to taste a bourbon and you're going to compare it to the greatest bourbon you have ever <laughs> had. And you're going to be like, not great. Yeah. Well, uh, okay. And... and Maybe this is more applicable, right? I'm not going to try that Evan Williams small batch and be like, yeah, well, it's no stag. Well, it doesn't claim to be, right? (laughs) It's not not in the same price point. Uh, However, what I would say is I'm going to compare this against other $46 bourbons and say, why can't you all do this at the same price point, right? (laughs) I don't know if that's fair either. (laughs) Oh, boy. Hey, that was fun, Jason. Uh, That was a good time. I (laughs) I hope you all took something out of it. Calls to action, Caleb. I want people to just know that cognitive biases exist. Yes. Get real, y'all. Analyze your decision-making process. Know that even though you're really smart, actually, there's a lot of research that the smarter you are, (laughs) the more likely you are to fall into these biases because you're really good at talking yourself into stuff. Yeah. So be aware. You have biases. I have biases. Uh, We just need to know that they are there and know when we're acting irrationally. Yes. Uh, Sometimes our gut can help us. But most of the time with finance, I've seen it really mess stuff up. Yeah, I, I always go back to the illustration that our, our pastor has drawn over the years. Um, we're emotional people, mm-hmm. uh, but the truth is the same all the time. And you need to, while we're talking about anchor, you need to anchor yourself to the truth, that flat line that doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. If you live by your emotions, there's no comfort, there's no peace there. Yeah. And uh, th- that's a good analogy, honestly. Yeah. I think he says... Uh, it, 
am I really feeling this way or did I just have a bad burrito last night? Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, um, there are so many things that affect these biases and how we develop them. And almost none of them are truth. Right. Um, and almost none of them are statistical or helpful, quite honestly, right? Um, so this is where working with a good financial advisor is helpful, right? Where I tell people a lot of times my, my value is that I'm a buffer between you and a bad decision that, that or, really or a gut is. reaction. That's that right? Vanguard white paper on advisor alpha or the value yeah. that an advisor actually provides. And it's really helping people through these cognitive yes. biases mostly is as the, the behavioral we, aspect. The we coaching love all of the it. technical yeah. prowess that we have and the tax strategy and mm-hmm. all of that stuff. But this is really where a lot of the value comes from. Yeah. Agree. Good deal. Um, so yeah, uh, learn to deal with the emotions and not live by the emotions. Yes. It's okay to feel them because you're human. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're I'm going not, to have them. I, uh, my wife would probably be happy to hear me say your, your emotions matter. Yes. Let's not disregard them completely. Uh, but they're wrong, so. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm sure she would like to hear you say that. All right, man. Anything else today? No, let's wind this down so we can finish our Glenn Karens of Stack Jr. Yeah, all right, guys. So thanks for having a drink with us this week. It's been fun, but it's time to close out the tab. If you have a question or a topic you want addressed on the Old Fashioned Finance podcast, be sure to email us at speakeasy at oldfashionedfinance.com. We'd love to hear from you. Don't forget to share the show with someone you love or just someone who needs a little money muddling themselves. You can stay up to date with the latest action by following us on Facebook and Instagram. Old Fashioned Finance is brought to you by Blue Jay Financial Group. That's bluejfg.com and produced by Pottery Studios. We've been your hosts, Jason and Caleb. Cheers. Blue Jay Financial Group, LLC, Blue Jay, is a registered investment advisor registered with the state of Ohio. Registration does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The presence of this advertisement on this podcast shall not be directly or indirectly interpreted as a solicitation of investment advisory services to persons of another jurisdiction unless otherwise permitted by statute. Follow-up or individualized responses to consumers in a particular state by Blue Jay in the rendering of personalized investment advice for compensation shall not be made without first complying with jurisdiction requirements or pursuant to an applicable state exemption. All verbal and written content on this presentation is for information purposes only. Opinions expressed herein are solely those of Blue Jay, unless otherwise specifically cited. Material presented is believed to be from reliable sources and no representations are made by our firm as to other parties' informational accuracy or completeness. All information or ideas provided should be discussed in detail with an advisor, accountant, or legal counsel prior to implementation.